complete works of swami vivekananda 26th session om shri gurubhyo namaha harihi om shri ganeshaya namaha dr krishnamurthi shastri dambe punacha bandwada taluk dakshinkarana jilla karnataka bharata india so today's topic that is the 26th session what is duty swami according to swami vivekananda it is necessary in the study of karma yoga to know what is duty is if i have to do something <coughs> i must first know that it is my duty and then i can do it the idea of duty again is different in different nations the mohammedan says what is written in his book the quran is his duty the hindu says what is in the vedas is his duty and the christian says what is in the bible is his duty we find that there are varied ideas of duty differing according to different states in life different historical periods and different nations desha kala vyakti bheda difference in the country time and space or person the term duty like every other universal abstract term is is impossible clearly to define we can only get an idea of it by knowing its practical operations and results when certain things occur before us we have all a natural or trained impulse to act in a certain manner towards them when this impulse comes the mind begins to think about the situation sometimes it thinks that it is good to act in a particular manner under the given conditions at other times it thinks that it is wrong to act in the same manner even in the very same circumstances the ordinary idea of duty everywhere is that every good man follows the dictates of his conscience prajna but what is it that makes an act a duty if a christian finds a piece of beef before him and does not eat it to save his own life or will not give it to save the life of another man he is sure to feel that he has done he has not done his duty but if a hindu dares to eat that piece of beef or to give it to another hindu he is equally sure to feel that he too has not done his duty the hindu's training and education make him feel that way in the last century there were notorious bands of robbers in india called thugs they thought it their duty to kill any man they could and take away his money the larger the number of men they killed the better they thought they were ordinarily if a man goes out into the street and shoots down another man he is apt to feel sorry for it thinking that he has done wrong but if the very same man as a soldier in his regiment kills not one but 20 he is certain to feel glad and think that he has done his duty remarkably well therefore we see that it is not the thing done that defines a duty 
to give an objective definition of duty is thus entirely impossible so it is based on the time also or based on the circumstances based on the context sandarbha sandarbhika yet there is duty from the objective side any action that makes us to go godward is a good action and is our duty any action that makes us go downward is evil and is not our duty from the subjective standpoint we may see that certain acts have a tendency to exalt and ennoble us while certain other acts have a tendency to degrade and to brutalize us but it is not possible to make out with certainty which acts have which kind of tendency in relation to all persons of all sorts and conditions there is however only one idea of duty which has been universally accepted by all mankind of all ages and sects and countries and that has been summed up in a sanskrit aphorism thus do not injure any being not injuring any being is virtue injuring any being is sin ahimsa paramo dharmah परोपकार पुण्याय पापाय परपीडनम दि भगवद्गीता फ्रीक्वेंटली एल्यूड्स टू ड्यूटीज डिपेंडेंट अपॉन बर्थ एंड पोजिशन इन लाइफ वर्णाश्रम धर्म बर्थ एंड पोजिशन इन लाइफ एंड इन सोसाइटी लार्जली डिटर्मिन दि मेन्टल एंड मॉरल एटिट्यूड ऑफ द इंडिविजुअल्स टवर्ड्स दि वेरियस एक्टिविटीज ऑफ लाइफ it is therefore our duty to do that work which will exalt and ennoble us in accordance with the ideals and activities of the society in which we are born but it must be particularly remembered that the same ideals and activities do not prevail in all societies and countries our ignorance of this is the main cause of much of the hatred of one nation towards another an american thinks that whatever an american does in, a, in accordance with the custom of his country is the best thing to do and that whoever does not follow his custom must be a very wicked man a hindu thinks that his customs are the only right ones and are the best in the world and that whatsoever does not obey or whosoever does not obey them must be the most wicked man living this is quite a natural mistake which all of us are apt to make but it is very harmful it is the cause of half the uncharitableness found in the world when i came to this country that's america and was going through the chicago fair a man from behind pulled at my turban i looked back and saw that he was a very gentlemanly looking man neatly dressed i spoke to him and when he found that i knew english he became very much abashed on another occasion in the same fair another man gave me a push when i asked him the reason he also was ashamed and stammered out an apology saying why do you dress that way the sympathies of these men were limited within the range of their own language and their own fashion of dress 
much of the oppression of powerful nations on weaker ones is caused by this prejudice or bias purvagraha it drives up their fellow feeling for fellow men that very man who asked me why i did not dress as he did and wanted to ill treat me because of my dress may have been a very good man a good father and a good citizen but the kindliness of his nature died out as soon as he saw a man in a different dress he judged me by the dress strangers are exploited in all countries because they do not know how to defend themselves thus they carry home false impressions of the peoples they may uh, they have seen sailors soldiers and traders behave in foreign lands in very queer ways although they would not dream of doing so in their own country perhaps this is why the chinese call europeans and americans foreign devils they could not have done this if they had met the good the kindly sides of western life therefore the one point we ought to remember is that we should always try to see the duty of others through their own eyes and never judge the customs of other peoples by our own standard i am not the standard of the universe i have to accommodate myself to the world and not the world to me so we see that environments change the nature of our duties and doing the duty which is ours at any particular time is the best thing we can do in this world let us do that duty which is ours by birth and when we have done that let us do the duty which is ours by our position in life and in society there is however one great danger in human nature with that man never examines himself he thinks he is quite as fit to be on the throne as the king even if he is he must first show that he has done the duty of his own position and then higher duties will come to him when we begin to work earnestly in the world nature gives us blows right and left and soon enables us to find out our position no man can long occupy satisfactorily a position for which he is not fit no man can long occupy satisfactorily a position for which he is not fit there is no use in grumbling against nature's judgment or nature's adjustment he who does the lower work is not therefore a lower man no man is to be judged by the mere nature of his duties but all should be judged by the manner and the spirit in which they perform them no man is to be judged by the mere nature of his duties but all should be judged by the manner and the spirit in which they perform them later on we shall find that even this idea of duty undergoes change and that the greatest work is done only when there is no selfish motive to prompt it yet it is work through the sense of duty that leads us to work without any idea of duty when work will become worship ne something higher then will work be done for its own sake we shall find that the philosophy of duty whether it be in the form of ethics or of love is the same as in every other yoga
the object being the attenuating of the lower self so that the real higher self may shine forth the lessening of the frittering away of energies on the lower plane of existence that is asuri sampad destruction so that the soul may manifest itself on the higher ones daivi sampad will be obtained this is accomplished by the continuous denial of low desires material desires worldly desires which duty rigorously requires the whole organization of society has thus been developed consciously or unconsciously in the realms of action and experience where by limiting selfishness we open the way to an unlimited expansion of the real nature of man duty is seldom sweet duty is never sweet it is only when love greases its wheels that it runs smoothly it is only when love greases its wheels that it runs smoothly it is a continuous friction otherwise duty is a continuous friction otherwise how else could parents do their duties to their children husbands to their wives and vice versa do we not meet with cases of friction every day in our lives duty is sweet only through love and love shines in freedom alone at is it freedom to be a slave to the senses to anger to jealousness or uh, jealousies and a hundred other pretty uh, petty things that must occur every day in human life in all these little roughness that we meet within life the highest expression of freedom is to forbear titiksha that is tolerance that is the highest freedom highest expression of freedom women slaves to their own irritable jealous tempers are apt to blame their husbands and assert their own freedom as they think not knowing that thereby they only prove that they are slaves women slaves to their own irritable jealous tempers are apt to blame their husbands and assert their own freedom as they think not knowing that thereby they only prove that they are slaves so it is with husbands who eternally find fault with their wives chastity is the first virtue in man or woman and the man who however he may have strayed away cannot be brought to the right path by a gentle and loving and chaste wife is indeed very rare the world is not yet as bad as that we hear much about brutal husbands all over the world and about the impurity of men but is it not true that there are quite as many brutal and impure women as men if all women were as good and pure as their own constant assertions would lead one to believe i am perfectly satisfied that there would not be one impure man in the world if all women were as good and pure as their own constant assertions would lead one to believe i am perfectly satisfied that there would not be one impure man in the world what brutality is there which purity and chastity cannot conquer a good chaste wife 
who thinks of every other man except her own husband as her child and has the attitude of a mother towards all men will grow so great in the power of her purity that there cannot be a single man however brutal who will not breathe an atmosphere of holiness in her presence similarly every husband must look upon all women except his own wife in the light of his own mother or daughter or sister that man again who wants to be a teacher of religion must look upon every woman as his mother and always behave towards her as such the position of the mother is the highest in the world as it is the one place in which to learn and exercise the greatest unselfishness the love of god is the only love that is higher than a mother's love all others are lower the love of god is the only love that is higher than a mother's love all others are lower it is the duty of the mother to think of her children first and then of her herself but instead of that if the parents are always thinking of themselves first the result is that the relation between parents and children becomes the same as that between birds and their offsprings which as soon as they are fledged do not recognize any parents blessed indeed is the man who is able to look upon woman as the representative of the motherhood of god blessed indeed is the man who is able to look upon woman as the representative of the motherhood of god blessed indeed is the woman to whom man represents the fatherhood of god blessed are the children who look upon their parents as divinity manifested on earth the only way to rise is by doing the duty next to us and thus gathering strength go on until we reach the highest safe highest state a young sanyasin went to a forest there he meditated worshiped and practiced yoga for a long time after years of hard work and practice he was one day sitting under a tree when some dry leaves fell upon his head he looked up and saw a crow and a crane fighting on the top of the tree which made him very angry he said what dare you throw these dry leaves upon my head as with these words he angrily glanced at them a flash of fire went out of his, his head such was the yogi's power and burnt the birds to ashes he was very glad almost overjoyed at at this development of power he could burn the crow and crane by a look after a time he had to go to the town to beg his bread he went stood at a door 
and said mother give me food a voice came from inside the house wait a little my son the young man thought you wretched woman how dare you make me wait you do not know my power at while he was thinking this the voice came again boy don't be thinking too much of yourself here is neither crow nor crane he was astonished still he had to wait at last the woman came and he fell at her feet and said mother how did you know that she said my boy i do not know your yoga or your practices i am a common everyday woman i made you wait because my husband is ill and i was nursing him all my life i have struggled to do my duty when i was married unmarried i did my duty to my parents now that i am married i do my duty to my husband and that is all the yoga i practice but by doing my duty i have become illumined thus i could read your thoughts and know what you had done in the forest if you want to know something higher than this go to the market of such and such a town where you will find a vyadha the lowest class of class of people in india who used to live as hunters and others uh, and butchers who will tell you something that you will be very glad to learn the sanyasin thought why should i go to that town and to a vyadha hunter but after what he said he had seen his mind opened a little so he went when he came near the town he found the market and there saw a at a distance a big fat vyadha cutting meat with big knives talking and bargaining with different people the young man said lord help me is this man from whom i am going to learn he is the incarnation of a demon if he is anything in the meantime this man looked up and said oh swami did that lady send you here take a seat until i have done my business the sanyasin thought what comes to me here he took his seat the man went on with his work and after he had finished he took his money and said to the sanyasin come sir come to my home on reaching home the vyadha gave him a seat saying wait here and went into the house he then watched his old father and mother fed them and did all he could to please them after which he came to the sanyasin and said now sir you have come here to see me what can i do for you the sanyasin asked him a few questions about soul and about god and the vyadha gave him a lecture which forms a part of the mahabharata 
called the Vyadha Gita. It contains one of the highest flights of the Vedanta. When the Vyadha finished his teaching, the Sanyasin felt astonished. He said, Why are you in, the, in that body? With such knowledge as yours, why are you in a Vyadha's body and doing such filthy, ugly work? My son, replied the Vyadha, No duty is ugly, no duty is impure. My birth placed me in these circumstances and environments. In my boyhood, I learnt the trade. I am attached, unattached and I try to do my duty well. I try to do my duty as a householder I, and I try to do all I can to make my father and mother happy. I neither know your yoga nor have I become a sannyasin nor did I go out of the world into a forest. Nevertheless, all that you have heard and seen has come to me through the unattached doing of the duty which belongs to my position. There is a sage in India, a great yogi, one of the most wonderful men I have ever seen in my life. He is a peculiar man. He will not teach my uh, teach any uh, one. He will not teach anyone. If you ask him a question, he will not answer. It is too much for him to take up the position of a teacher. He will not do it. If you ask a question and wait for some days, in the course of conversation, he will bring up the subject and wonderful light will he throw on it. He told me once a secret of work. Let the end and the means be joined into one. Let the end, that is the result, and the means, that is the mode, medium, be joined into one. When you are doing any work, do not think of anything beyond. Do it as worship, as the highest worship and devote your whole life to it for the time being. Thus, that is Yoga Karmasu Kaushalam, what Gita Charya says in Bhagavad Gita. Thus, in the story, the Vyadha and the woman did their duty with the cheerfulness and wholeheartedness. And the result was that they became illuminated, clearly showing that the right performance of the duties of any station in life without attachment to results leads us to the highest realization of the perfection of the soul. <clears throat> the right performance of duties of any station in life without attachment attachment to results karmanyeva adhikaraste mahaphaleshu kadachana leads us to the highest realization of the perfection of the soul it is the worker who is attached to results that grumbles out about the nature of the duty which has fallen to his lot to the unattached worker, all duties are equally good and form efficient instruments with which selfishness and sensuality may be killed and the freedom of the soul secured. We are all apt to think too highly of ourselves. 
Our duties are determined by our deserts to a much larger extent than we are willing to grant. Competition rouses envy and that is enmity. Competition rouses enmity and it kills the kindliness of the heart. It kills the kindliness of the heart. To the grumbler all duties are distasteful. To the murmurer all duties are distasteful. Nothing will ever satisfy him or her. and his whole life is doomed to prove a failure and his or her whole life is doomed to prove a failure if he or she grumbles whatever he does or she does he should not grumble about that he should do with most kind kindness and love let us work on doing as we go whatever happens to be our duty and being ever ever ready to put our shoulders to the wheel then surely shall we see the light then surely shall we see the light hari rama om tat sat